It's Friday night, the night before New Year's. Original podcast listener Vince Hernandez wants to pod, so we pod. Vin Danity this week, Dan Flanagan, Tom Flanagan, Vince Hernandez. We hope you had a very happy Christmas. And uh, we're back from Florida. Vince, uh, how'd the Christmas go in, in Minnesota? Why, it was delightful. It was a, lot a jolly of, good time. Heard there was uh, quite a bit of interesting weather. Some Christmas weather. There talk. was uh, huh. there was some inclement weather that did cancel a uh, b- board game session. Uh, oh, Christmas, was Christmas the board game, game session outside. Uh, it was indoors. However, the oh, roads were people treacherous. had to get on the road a little early. Yes. What is the uh, what is the Hernandez group? Is it like a nice Christmas ham? You double up on turkey. What are, what are we going with here for Christmas dinner? It was actually like a pulled pork sandwich. Whoa. Setup. So nice. It's pretty solid, but it was a big production. You've got a, a lot of. Um, there's a lot of people at the in the Hernandez family, and so you got to put out a something that you can share with everybody. Basically, catering. Yes, yes, exactly. It's That's, quite an undertaking. Congratulations. Oh, you're, you're, yes, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you were pulling the pork all Christmas. No, pretty much. <laughs> That's. There we go. Well, it was a good Christmas for Vince, uh, making pulled pork and everything else. Not not a uh, great Christmas for the Minnesota Vikings. They, I guess that would have been the eve of Christmas Eve, December 23rd. They got stuck on a plane. Uh, then they got stuck in the mud in Lambeau Field, giving up a lot of points defensively, not getting much offense going until garbage time. And even though it had already essentially happened a few weeks ago, it's officially eliminated from playoff contention Ooh. with the loss to the Packers. Ooh. A uh, nice little meaningless game to wrap up the inaugural inaugural year at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. I suppose they still Revenge sell it out. Game. But yeah, that's probably not going to be a lot of... Uh, that's New Year's Day, too. So, oh. like, so are people getting up at... Eight in the morning to tailgate for that, oh, especially coming off New Year's Eve. No, I, I, I can't imagine doing that. Very much doubt it. I mean, there's, it's, I'll still watch it just because I, I always even in in years where the Vikings are like six and ten, I'll still watch yeah. just about every game. But it's gonna be, I guess I don't really know what I'm watching for at this point, um, but maybe maybe to see if uh, Adam Thielen's a number one receiver. Well, he was the uh, number one <laughs> fantasy option last week, so he's got got that going, making some progress in that regard. He did have a 200-yard receiving day, I guess, against the Packers, but I uh, I will not be watching on Sunday, I don't think. They, uh, they you know, I, I feel like they have to put out a quality product if I'm yeah. going to spend my time doing that. Yeah, so take that, Ziggy. I think uh, other other things I could probably do on my Sunday afternoon and watch that. But no, they uh, not really the most exciting slate of Week 17 games. Uh, not a little bit unusual, I guess, in that a lot of the teams are already set for the playoffs. There's yeah. a little bit of seeding to still be decided, but... All six teams have actually clinched spots in the AFC. Four teams have clinched in the uh, NFC. And so really, only one technically lose-and-go-home game, and that might not even pan out. Uh, but with Green Bay and Detroit, depends a little bit on Washington's game. If they beat a uh, Giants team that has nothing to play for, they're in automatically. But if they were to lose, then I guess both those teams will make the playoffs, Green Bay and Detroit. But, yeah, it's uh, mostly just kind of 
seeing where everybody's going to get situated and so yeah i mean i'll probably watch that packers lions game sunday night but not not a lot of reason to watch on sunday and as a result we're uh gonna just kind of call it a season or a regular season with the picks i didn't really feel like sorting through who's gonna be getting more snaps between tony romo and mark sanchez and i don't know i guess like i don't must not have a ton to do with my time if i'm doing a podcast on friday night but i've got more to do than figure all that out and uh yeah we uh, we weren't really gonna go game by game and give you some colts jaguars analysis today so we'll just we'll skip the picks for this week and i guess get back to that uh you'll wait for, with bated breath for us to make our playoff picks are we week. doing playoff picks i think we can do some playoff nice. picks. but Is yeah there, do we want to maybe talk quick just through that uh packers detroit game that's really like you said the only game that really yeah matters. we can you know i i guess that is it Kind of, yeah, the one that does have some implications. It got flexed to uh, the Sunday night national game. I don't know. It just seems maybe it, it's too easy, you know, when you just look at the trends. But I don't know. Is there a way Detroit wins this? They're playing about as bad as possible, and Green Bay looks about as, as good as possible right now. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate for us Vikings fans because I think, it, I think Green Bay is going to win and probably – go into the playoffs with a ton of momentum here so i just i think i never believed in the lions to begin with i think that they probably were pumped up quite a bit by um beating the vikings twice in a row and you know now we know the vikings weren't a good team but um yeah i just don't it just seems too I could see it potentially being a close game, but like in some like dumb officiating decision, deciding it for the Packers too. But I, it might Roger, not even be. It might the just old be Roger Goodell fixes in. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, just I, to torture us. Yeah, that would work, I guess. Wrap be a good way to wrap up this Viking season. No, I just the Lions. They kind of were a team. They got some buzz going into the years. Maybe oh, they're a little bit better than what what people think uh and i but i think that was more for them to be about a 500 team which is probably what they are you know let's face it we talked about it all year with the vikings and thought it would help them more than it did but the teams in the nfc north just had a very easy schedule this yeah year playing the the i guess the nfc east ended up being better than we thought but they got to play the afc south and you, you know you look at the teams the lions beat they beat the Vikings twice, who, yeah, like you said, aren't as you know didn't end up being as good as they looked at the beginning of the year. Beat the Bears, they beat you know the Colts, the Jaguars. I think their best win was probably beating Washington at home. So, you know, they beat New Orleans. I don't remember who they played in the. I think they played the Rams out of the NFC West. Oh. So, I mean, they were they were not playing a lot of quality teams and winning a lot of close games. I mean, I think most of, like seven of their nine wins have been by a touchdown or less maybe even more than that so and green bay you know as bad as they looked at times in the year and during the year uh they've gotten a little healthier on defense and ty montgomery apparently can play running back and once they got you know at least a semblance of a running game aaron Rodgers can go back to doing what he does yeah it's it's weird because at the beginning of this year it just looked like the the wheels had completely fallen off the packers and and uh that you know finally we could all as you know kind of as as vikings fans of course breathe a sigh of relief that like oh maybe they're on the decline as a team but now it, it just seems i you know i don't know do you think that team could 
win it. We're not getting too deep into playoff predictions right now, but do you think that team could actually make a run? I, I think they could. I mean, yeah, we'll see how seedings play out, but the NFC seems very wide open. Uh, you know, on the one hand, the AFC, especially after Derek Carr's injury, looks like it's you know pretty much in line for the Patriots to take. But NFC, I mean, I, I think Seattle's probably past the point of no return with injuries. I'd have a hard time seeing them making a run. Whoever gets in out of Washington or Detroit, I'd have a hard time picking them. But really, you tell me Dallas, Atlanta, Giants, Green Bay is going to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I could buy it, I think, with all four of those teams. Yeah. So it's uh, it could be end up making for a fun playoff. I think the real question, though, we know Apex uh, Printing has some pretty crazy email chains back and forth at the offices split between Minnesota and Wisconsin. How much shit did you talk back in September? Uh... I've always been measured with my talk because I'm because the Vikings are always so disappointing and unpredictable. You've learned better. I've learned, yeah. Because yeah. we were we were pretty excited when they were five I, and zero. There are some podcasts that do not look great in retrospect. I'll no. be honest. I was talking a lot of shit. I know a couple Packers fans. I was talking all kinds of shit. I don't know yeah. a lot of Packers fans. So I don't have as much to be worried about. But yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Is how how difficult is your next month going to be if they do go on a playoff run here? Oh well. Considerably less difficult than it would have been a few years ago. There were some uh, some louder some voices. real loud mouths. Yeah, that have uh, pursued other opportunities, and uh, the, it, and so it won't be as bad. But it, but I'm starting to see the chatter in the in the emails. Oh god, going back and forth between clients and. Uh, Does any like supervisor from Apex go? We need to talk a little more business and a little less football in these emails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys using Slack? <laughs> we actually aren't using Slack, but oh. probably should. So, um, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's. I would say for the most part, it's there's not too much rubbing it in. Anymore. Yeah, they seem a little more reserved than normal. Yeah, I think they're just kind of surprised. I mean, I, yeah. I think when after they, because what was that? They got destroyed by Tennessee. And I think they were, were they four and six at that point? I think they've won five in a row. Because they, they looked like they were completely out of it, yeah. even, you know, before the Vikings did. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, kind of happy surprise at this point. They're probably a little too uh, shocked to talk too much shit. But, yeah, they've they've certainly looked good over the last month or so. I guess, you know, like we said, we can kind of get into a little more in-depth preview next week we know the seedings and know what some of the matchups are going to be but just i guess for both of you what what are some things you'd like to see here in these playoffs what's going to constitute a, a fun playoff season you know whether it's teams or storylines or what you know things that are going to happen here i'm just looking for like a high level of football i kind of feel like it's been a it's been a lull it's been just a really uh like league-wide the whole they're just there's a lack of an elite team because um, and even this like even the Patriots I don't really know that this is that they're they're good but I don't think they're like that any better than it's not one of the best Patriots no, teams especially like after a, Gronkowski got hurt yeah. I mean they're doing Brady's been great but they're doing this with like Garrett Blunt Dion Lewis Chris Hogan yeah I mean I guess Julian Edelman but like how many of 
maybe Edelman, but were and Brady obviously, but how many of their other players were getting picked like early in a fantasy draft? Like oh, not, I not mean, many of them. Nobody. And, and their defense has gotten better, but it's not great. So yeah, it's just there isn't a top to bottom really good team, and and I suppose last year Carolina went on a run, and so they were fun to watch, and you know, but they had their. They probably had problems, but they just at least put together a winning, like a nice winning streak. And, and we hadn't gotten sick of Cam yet at that point. You know, he's gotten a little bit overexposed maybe this year, but it was still pretty new and fun the way he was playing last year. Oh, and yeah. as, as annoying as some of the media coverage got with fawning all over everything he did as he really wasn't playing that well, the, the Peyton Manning retirement tour was at least an interesting storyline last yeah. season. Yeah, so. there hasn't been in, like – and it's not that there isn't one, but there's not one that's standing out to me right now of like either a great team storyline or a great individual like performance. I mean, there's a, probably a few you could list off, but they're not. A, it just doesn't seem as impressive. Well, and then you just you know injuries, which is the case every year, but seem to be the prominent storyline here at the end. I mean, the Raiders were a were a fun team throughout the year with a lot of talented offensive players. Now Derek Carr breaks his leg, so they're pretty much a non-factor. I don't think Tennessee was going to do anything, but they're a young team. I would have rather seen them play that Saturday afternoon playoff game than Houston. Yeah. Mariota breaks his leg. They don't make it. Uh, you know, Seattle is at least a reliable team with some recognizable players. They've been crushed by injuries, probably aren't going to do much. So that's kind of changed the, the feel of it, too, and I just kind of wonder, too, if we're maybe a little bit in between, like, kind of the – there's probably bigger, like, larger cycles in the, within the league where, you know, you'll have your – like, we kind of are coming out of a, a cycle of quarterback play. Yeah. Like where, you know, Drew Brees is kind of on the downside of his career. Um, you have Brady still playing well, but Peyton is retired and um, – you know, Philip Rivers isn't quite as dominant as he once yeah, was. Yeah, and some of that, you know, the new generation. Cam was good last year, but it hasn't worked as well this year. Luck, I think, is good, but he doesn't have the talent around him. Yeah. Uh, you just, know, RG3, people were excited about. Obviously, that didn't work. Kaepernick, you know, didn't work the way people hoped. So kind of that this most recent generation, it just hasn't panned out quite as well as, as it looked like it might maybe a couple years ago. And I just wonder if the you know with the if the cv how much the cba is affecting well i was i was actually thinking about this the other day too because it's kind of you look at really all the sports right now and i think you know baseball had the cubs that were sort of dominant throughout the year and they took over everything the nba you know it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that golden state and uh you know cleveland are going to meet the finals and it's like all these sports if you you know, we'll talk about the Wild here and what they're doing in a little bit, but, like, part of the reason there's maybe more optimism for the Wild outside of their own winning streak is there just doesn't seem to be a dominant NHL team. And it seems like all the leagues right now, there's a couple teams that are maybe a little bit better than everyone else. There's a couple teams that uh, are clearly rebuilding and are really bad, and then it's just a really fat middle where, like, 90% of the league is really close to each other. Like, the Timberwolves have about as e an equal chance right now of getting the number one draft pick or being the eight seed in the Western Conference. Like, they're, you know, they're not that far off from the worst record, but they're also only, like, three, four games out of the eight seed. Okay. So it's just everybody's very bunched together. And I do wonder, 
you know, front offices have gotten so much smarter in the last few years with all the advanced metric type thinking and a lot more analytical based decisions. If it's just harder to separate yourself, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you maybe had a few dumb GMs that would make bad trades and people could exploit things. You'd have a little more separation, but I just wonder if like everybody in all these sports, because that's, you know, hit all the major sports, if everyone's kind of trying to do the same things, has the same goals, going about it the same way, and it's just, as a result, these teams are pretty much interchangeable unless they've had luck in the draft or a couple free agents have decided to go there or they've just decided to, you know, go completely young and full-scale rebuild. Yeah, it's tough because you would, at first glance, you would think about that and you would say, well, shouldn't that make it more exciting if there's, like, a bunch of competition? But when there's, like, elite teams at the top... I think what it does uh, is it makes for a good playoffs, but kind of boring to follow the regular season. Like, baseball this year, I... And part of it was the Twins were one of those handful of very bad teams, but I didn't care at all about baseball in the regular season, but the playoffs were legitimately fun. And there were a few good teams, and you didn't know what was going to happen. It was a great World Series. It's tougher in basketball and hockey because the playoffs take so long, and those first couple rounds can get kind of boring. But, like, you know, basketball last year was kind of the same way, and it it seemed like kind of a drag throughout the regular season, but that Golden State-Oklahoma City series was amazing, and then the Golden State-Cleveland series was amazing. I think it kind of... When, when those teams finally do get together, the good teams, it's great. It's really fun, but getting there can be a, a bit of a slog. So not to, you know, we've gone pretty far down the rabbit hole at this point, so I don't want to make us go too much farther. But do you think, because um, there were some other pretty big things going on this year, especially in the fall, do you think, like, the election just kind of sucked the wind out of some of this? Like, there's a lot of other stuff going on, and... Yeah, and that's one story I, I kind of it was it was a big deal before the election with the TV ratings and and I never really followed up with it, but um, you know they there was a factor of the the TV ratings for the NFL yeah. being lower. I think the national games then. went up a little bit, stabilized, but it was partly because people have been really into this Cowboys team. Yeah, they, they put the Cowboys on national TV a lot at the end of the year, but. Yeah, you know, I I suppose there's some extent of, you know, big world events happen. You get a little more interested in that than, you know, investing yourself as strongly in a football game. I don't know that, for me, it's changed the way. I still watch a lot of sports, so I don't know. But um, but none of us are, are, are convinced that football is in decline. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's in serious decline at this point. Yeah. I think it's I I feel like the decreased like the the level of play, lower level of play we're seeing right now is more of a more a CBA thing than a like that the talent pool of football has been diminished significantly. I just don't think that's hit us yet and and it probably won't hit um for a while, you know. Yeah. It depends you, they'll it seems like there's still a kind of a, a good traditional base of people that play football, and so it, I, I just think you know, I, I unless you have some luck and you hit on you know the Cowboys, Dak Prescott ended up being way better than you'd expect a fourth round rookie to be, and Ezekiel Elliott was great. They've invested a lot in their offensive line, been able to string together first round picks. 
But unless you kind of get lucky and hit on a bunch of your draft picks, free agency isn't big in the NFL. Just how are you supposed to separate? Like, all these teams are pretty smart and trying to do the same thing. Yeah. There's just only so many good players. You get, you know, you hit a home run with a quarterback or you get something out of a late-round draft pick, he becomes a star. But outside of that, I just don't – I don't know – you know, you, you that's what you kind of are seeing right now. Most of these teams look pretty much the same. You've got the Browns and 49ers who aren't really trying to win and don't have a high talent level. But for the most part, we've seen it in trying to make picks this year. Most yeah. of these, there's just not a lot of difference between any of these teams. Well, or your quarterback destroys his knee in preseason and then you have to give up a first-round pick. To Well, you didn't have to give up a first-round <laughs> pick. You chose to do that, but they, uh, they did. And, yeah, the long-term uh, outlook, not not uh, quite as rosy as it was nine months ago for the Vikings, but that's, I guess, a conversation for another podcast. We'll try to... Save it for another day. We can... Well, I guess we never really did answer the question of what we want to see in the playoffs, but uh, I, I guess for me, I just... I don't know. Are you... I feel like with Derek Carr, I, I, you know, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, I guess if anyone's going to beat New England, it would be one of those two teams... Certainly can't see Oakland now with Matt McGloin, you know, Houston and Miami. I'm not confident either of those teams are going to make a run. But are you okay with, with New England being a Super Bowl team? Do you think there's anybody that can potentially knock them off in the AFC? No. I, yeah, I, I mean, the only, I could see Kansas City making it interesting just because those Andy Reid teams are, um, just but realistically, really, do you think the Chiefs are going to beat the Patriots? Realistically, uh, probably not, no. I just don't see, like, a game ending where it's like, and Tom Brady's scrambling <laughs> to make something happen here. Yeah, I mean, unless, like, the Chiefs' pass rush, like, just really takes off in the playoffs, yeah. and Tom Bahali and um, Justin Houston just light everybody up, but it's... It because uh, that was kind of what ended up being getting the getting the Patriots last year was just Denver's defense, but I don't think that it's a solid defense, but it's more like I think the, the, like top. It's not like an elite def like elite all time defense. Yeah, and I think the fact that the Patriots will probably have the number one seed this year get to play at home is a is a big thing. It was tough for them having to go into Denver last year. I just yeah, I mean Kansas City. I, I think the best case scenario for them is kind of what they did last year, where they were competitive, they hung around in that game with the Patriots, but you never really felt like they were going to win. Yeah, they ended up coming up short. So yeah, that that's certainly how it feels. And then I don't know, are you on board with probably those four teams I mentioned as teams that have a shot in the in the NFC? I I just can't see Seattle doing it at this point. No, I don't know why. But I just don't. I just don't think we're going to see Dallas in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I can see why they seem somewhat vulnerable. That's not a huge home field advantage. It's it's tough to say with, uh, you know, if Dak can put them on a run. But, so, I mean, who do you think can beat them, beats them then? I, like, if I had to guess right now, I would say that we're going to see Giants and Patriots. I really don't want to see Giants. I don't want to see it either. Yeah, I, that's, I, I just feel like that would be a fitting end to the season. It, yeah, we've seen that. I guess it was a while yeah. ago, different teams. But so, if you accept those four teams, what are your your power rankings then for who you'd want to see in the Super Bowl out of Cowboys, Falcons, Giants, and Packers? Well, I would want to see the Cowboys. So Cowboys would be your first choice? Yeah. 
Is that what you're thinking? I I think yeah. I think the Cowboys. I think that's the most exciting. Just you know, Jerry Jones possibly getting a Super Bowl. Oh, oh my god! I mean, Dak and Elliott have been fun to watch. Yeah, I'd, I I think I'd be on board with the Cowboys. Are you? I, I'd probably say Falcons after that. Honestly, yeah. Pretty exciting offense if Julio Jones is is back healthy again. Is he? I I mean I assume they've been just kind of resting him so he can get yeah. the playoffs, especially if they win this week and get the bye. I guess honestly, you know, separating Vikings fandom aside from it, I'd probably be pretty equal with the Falcons or Packers just in terms of excitement of the team because Rodgers is always yeah. fun to watch too. But just I don't want to see Packers fans get to go to another oh. Super Bowl, so <laughs> I'll put the Falcons ahead of them. And honestly, the Giants are probably fourth for me. I've yeah. said it before this year. I just it's amazing to me that a team with Odell Beckham and a Manning that leads himself to all those jokes can be that boring. They're so boring. Yeah. But he's the pranks king. That's true. Eli likes to prank people. <laughs> yeah, they're I it, they're a very like just a frustrating team to watch cuz they it just seems like they should be excited. I, I feel like Ben McAdoo, it's it's the Childress effect. Like, a guy yeah. that looks like that cannot hold a Super Bowl trophy <laughs> no. over his head. Is, you just, like, that Can you guy, imagine him with the t-shirt that they yes. just, you know, print? I, I just cannot believe that that guy will walk around the rest of his life Super Bowl winning head coach Ben McAdoo. Yeah. Like, I just don't think... Like, the Vikings had enough talent to win a Super Bowl, but I'm really convinced. Like, there was no way a guy that looked like Brad Childress was going to be a Super Bowl-winning head coach. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's like Brad Garrett. He he just looks like someone that would, like, be holding a Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> Brad Garrett. Or, or the... Um, Jason Garrett. Brad Garrett's the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. By the way, is that, you know that (laughs) Apple Frankenstein commercial that's really long? Yeah. Is that Brad Garrett playing Frankenstein? I don't don't think (laughs) so. I think it is. It sounds like him. And it look and like Brad Garrett is Well, he does kind of sound and look like Frankenstein. That's right. I think that's Brad, Brad Garrett. Garrett. Jason Garrett. So he <laughs> might be playing Frankenstein yeah. in an Apple commercial. He is not going to be a Super Bowl winning head coach. Although that that would liven up the playoffs. If like Jerry Jones, I, I mean, if there's just a press conference tomorrow and he's like, you know, I've just decided I love everybody loves Raymond. Brad Garrett, Brad Garrett, Garrett you're in. Head coach. Brad Garrett's just like trying to coach and Oh, well, I guess the mom is no longer with us. From Rob Riggle's just like their defensive coordinator. <laughs> you gotta eat something. Ma! I'm trying to coach the game! Well, now our, that was some poor celeb Jerry Jones <laughs> and Brad Garrett impressions from the two of us there. But. Well, oh, how did we get here? That's uh, that's our so playoff storyline. <laughs> Brad that's... Garrett, coach of the Cowboys. Uh, well, you know, we can... Transition out of football here, I guess. We've kind of gotten, gotten to the... Uh, Brad Garrett's kind of tall. Here. Maybe he likes to play basketball. I was going to transition to hockey, but we can talk about some basketball, <laughs> Devin Dubnik's too. tall. Devin Dubnik's also tall. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is there anything you really want to say here about the Timberwolves? They did end up getting a decent win tonight here over the Bucks. Uh, lost the Christmas game. They seem to be stabilizing a little bit. The losses aren't, you know, maybe quite as frustrating. They're at least in a lot of these games. They're young. They've got a lot to figure out. Uh, I think eventually the youth has to be a little bit less of an excuse because they're not necessarily inexperienced, but they do seem to be making at least a little bit of progress here. I liked what I saw tonight against the Bucks. They seem to, you know, maybe take the love Giannis and Jabari have gotten a little bit personally. 
Yeah. Do we think that the whole third quarter collapse, is that just a coincidence at this point? Yeah, that even that's their third quarters have gotten better yeah. over the past couple weeks. I think the fact that it's happening in the third quarter is random. They they need to correct having fifteen to twenty minutes most games where they look like a high school basketball team. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's been a problem throughout the year. But yeah, I mean they clearly need to get better on defense. You know, eventually we'll have to question if Wiggins, Towns, and Levine are ever going to be good defensive players. It's probably a little early to say that yet, but yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it probably hasn't changed a whole lot from what we were saying a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, because there's been some talk, you know, about as I said, you know, they could slide down and be a number one, you know, a candidate for the number one pick in the draft. I don't know that they need another young elite talent. I obviously you like as much talent as you can get. I don't know how they integrate another, you know, high ceiling young player, but. There's also been talk, you know, if they want to make a push for that eight seed, that they try to make a trade. I know on his podcast a couple weeks ago, Zach Lowe said that they were sniffing around Miami, maybe trying to trade for Goran Dragic. I mean, obviously it depends on what they'd be giving up, but would you like to see this team be aggressive at the, at this point and try to bring in a veteran that can contribute? Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I guess, again, it depends on if they're trading Levine or Wiggins to do that, which I'm sure they're not for Goran Dragic, but yeah, it it's I don't really I don't really know because you know building through the draft is you can get they've had luck with that I guess with you know some mid kind of mid first round picks really working out well with Gorgie and and Levine, um, but it. I still feel like you you probably have to give up a draft pick for for Dragic, and I don't know if I I don't know if that's a good strat if that's something they want to do right now. Um, well, and I don't I, think they even can trade their first round pick this year. That's it's true. Lottery, it's still lottery, it's lottery protected, protected, but it's for Adrian Payne. Great, yeah, great trade. What oh, a no. great trade! I know. <laughs> and that's where, like that, they they have to give give up a pick for for that at some point. Um, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't really heard that scenario. I just don't know what that does for you though. Other than, you know, if you if you just really feel like you need to to get into the playoffs to get like Wiggins and to get Wiggins and Towns and Levine like believing in the organization, maybe that's why you do that. But Yeah, and I think there's probably, you know, some internal pressure to make the playoffs cuz it's been so long whether, you know, from Glenn Taylor or whatever. I don't know about Dragic specifically if he's the perfect answer, but I think, you know, there has been a sense of they need a couple veterans that can play just to kind of stabilize the organization a bit. And that part of the problem is, you know, you're asking 21, 22-year-olds to not only be your best players, but to run your locker room and do all that. And, you know, that it's hard for a veteran that's not playing to really be a leader and so they need someone that's that's on the court yeah and i think there's it. there's definitely something to that that you need a productive veteran because i think like kg was actually a great influence around like uh, like i think that he's a big reason gorgie got so much better last year mm-hmm. with just some uh, kind of the the one-on-one time in practice teaching gorgie pump fakes and really improved uh, gorgie's offensive game improved a lot but 
But you at a really, certain point, you have to be able to play. Yeah, I don't know if that I mean, would have worked again this year. I don't if think he wasn't it, playing. especially yeah. when you're, you know, he was he wasn't cheap either. Yeah. But like in, in yeah, then they had Andre Miller, who was about a hundred years old, and you know, not really the same same problem. Not as injured as KG was, but but yeah, probably like somebody, and you know. I had a similar conversation about this with uh, with a coworker, and you know somebody like somebody not necessarily Dwayne Wade, but somebody like like that caliber of player it, as a veteran mm-hmm. would be would be really nice. Yeah, so they're still contributing. They don't, but they don't need to be the guy. They don't. Yeah, the they don't have to. The offense doesn't have to run through them. Uh, yeah, like you know, you don't want the Carmelo Anthony, Kristaps Porzingis situation where like it should be Porzingis's team, but they still have to run plays for Carmelo all the time or, or something like that. But yeah, I uh, I suppose you know the thought with Dragic is Rubio has looked better over the past few weeks or so, but I think there's an, the thought that you know Thibodeau wants to run a more diversified offense where there's multiple ball handlers, and you see them a lot of times running action through Wiggins or Levine or through Towns in the post, and that, you know, if Rubio doesn't have the ball in his hands a majority of the time, he's just not doing a lot for you, at least on the offensive end, because he's not, you know, a threat as a spot-up shooter. So bringing in maybe more of a combo guard, like like a Dragic, even if it's not him specifically, that can kind of play on and off the ball, might be a better fit for that offense. Than it really like would be, it really would be interesting to see what that, what somebody who was... You know, competent as a point guard because we don't have, um, you know, Tyus isn't terrible, but he's not, you know, not particularly exciting at this point in his career. And then Dunn, I just don't really have, I, I don't really know what we, I don't know. What he's going to have to develop done. offensively, yeah. I But, like, having, like, a veteran competent point guard that can actually score would be, would be interesting to see with these guys because yeah Rubio just I don't know are, are we ready to like are we ready to kind of give up on Rubio yet is kind of the question because it's it's still he's he's getting you know it's still like he's always going to be that controversial player with the fans but yeah the, the shooting frustrates people I still hesitate somewhat just because he is still a you know a, a good defender and with yeah, all the problems still, they're having on defense I don't know that I want to trade away still, one of the few um, good defenders but yeah he, and, and I mean maybe he is he he might be playing up to his contract with the way because um, he didn't sign like an excessive contract mm-hmm. with the with the way the numbers are coming out with the new CBA but um but yeah, it's just a. I don't know who you give up to get Goran Dragic, but it, I I would like to see it, but I also really hesitate to. It might be better to explore those things in the off season than try and do it. Well, no one's season, trade but... value is going significantly up or down, regardless of what happens this season. I mean, it, well, if they made the playoffs, their trade value mm. would go up, but they if they keep doing what they're doing, it's not like. Anyone's going to lose value. Yeah, like Rubio's trade value probably would have been highest at the higher at the beginning of the year than it is now, but it probably will be the same as it is now this coming off season. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We get a little serious here when we talk about basketball. That was all uh, 
all straight analysis there. But yeah, we uh, that's kind of where we're at with the Wolves. We'll keep an eye on them over the next few weeks. We're we're sort of burying the lead here on this podcast. We've got a we've got a hockey team with a twelve game winning streak. Yeah, in the Twin Cities. And <laughs> they uh, get excited. Yeah, we can transition here from talking about the Vikings and sad things in Minnesota sports. Uh, Kind of, inter- you know, pretty fun, actually. The Wild, uh, you know, obviously playing well, and I think it's an understatement, I guess, to say a 12-game winning streak is pretty fun, but a matchup coming up here, it just sort of seemed like someone was going to screw that up between them and Columbus losing a winning streak, but you've got the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams riding a 14-game winning streak. Not not uh, what I would have guessed at the beginning of the year, and to be fair, I certainly wouldn't have guessed the Minnesota Wild will be riding a 12-game winning streak, but they are. They're teams that only play each other twice over the course of a season, but they happen to be meeting up tomorrow with those winning streaks intact and should create a fun little kickoff to the New Year's Eve festivities in downtown St. Paul. So someone in the store today, I said, oh, yeah, you know the Wild have this 12-game winning streak. That's the first time they've ever done that. I said, yeah, they're you know they're playing Columbus. So I'm assuming this is their first 14 win streak. And the guy goes, well, I don't know about that. I would say that is definitely true. The <laughs> NHL record is 17 games. Yeah, I don't so think I don't Columbus think, yeah. has threatened that record no. before. But yeah, no, that's you know five games off the NHL record is pretty impressive, and uh, they're they're finding different ways to get it done. You know, obviously it's not they're not going to play at this level for the entire year, but. You know, you can't really call it a fluke when you win 12 games in a row. That's, what is that? That's like, I mean, that's almost 15% of a season yeah. now. They've gone on a winning streak. So, so that's a, I'm just, I'm going to get my little bit of pessimism just out of the way now so we can just have fun with how good they're playing real quick. They have this amazing win streak. They're still behind Chicago. They've played uh, two or three fewer games, though, and they're only a point behind. Yeah. Hey, optimism but what they've done this and they are still behind no I know but what I'm saying is if they had played the same amount of games they're probably ahead Chicago's good and I, I see what you're saying but yeah. no I think you you just you see a 12 game win streak and then you look at the standings and Chicago's ahead it's yeah. frustrating no I'm done that, that just you know I just would say there. equalize the games and, and make it a little more fair but I'm yeah just I, saying. I understand what you're saying um, <laughs> but no I mean they uh I guess to counter it, they've given up the fewest goals or had in coming into that four games against uh, uh, the Islanders yesterday. But they've still given up the fewest goals in the conference, maybe not in the entire league anymore. They've, I think they're in the top five in goals scored, easily the best goal differential in the Western Conference. So well, I couldn't believe they'd only lost one game by more than a goal. Mm-hmm. Only eight games in regulation period. So that's insane. I think that's what's encouraging is, you know, a win streak's great, but unlike some of the other years where they've gotten hot for extended stretches the numbers are backing this up a little bit i think they're they're ranked fifth in the nhl in terms of how much they're possessing the puck right now so there's things to suggest this might be a little more sustainable it's not just a hot streak by their goalie like i think maybe we thought it was a couple weeks ago so sort of like what got him the contract yeah i guess uh two years ago when he came in here randomly did really well but no he's Hey, I, I complained yeah. a lot about that contract. Oh, it's, I still don't think it's going to look good three years from now, but if they end looks up good right now. having a good year this year, it'll be worth it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, the encouraging thing, too, is whatever happens with them in Chicago and, you know, how, how much they cool off from this, 
they're seven points ahead of St. Louis for third place in their division right now. I think they have about a 12-point cushion on a playoff yeah. spot. It, it would take a pretty terrible collapse, and we know all about that you know, with sports around here, but it would be pretty hard for them to miss the playoffs at this point, I would say. They just, well, obviously, the, all this analysis seems silly because it's very obvious like they won 12 games in a row, but they do just seem to be very like in control. Like, it seems weird to imagine, like, several weeks from now, like, Boudreaux, like, swearing and banging a stick against the boards and, ah, that's, and then running into the locker Yeah, he, he seems to to manage things pretty well. And, yeah, they, they um you know, they had some adversity in that Islanders game and they found a way through it. I just, it seems like he's a little more, and maybe it's a product of just being new to this organization, but a little more willing to try different things. I think yeah. under Yo, players had kind of been boxed into roles and, you know, I was certainly questioning it at, at the time, but you watch that Nashville game in overtime. He's willing to elevate Jordan Schrader to a higher line and play him in overtime, and it, it works out. He got rewarded for yeah. it. Uh, you know, I don't know that that's something Mike Yo necessarily would have done. but uh, It's it's hard to say because it's it's just like, like there's not all the, like, you're not hearing about, like, the power struggles in the locker room, like Suter and Parisi being divas. And they're anymore. winning, so you're right. not going to hear about so that. So that stuff they're... doesn't and, come up. And, you know, if if they would have given up a goal in that game against Nashville, then I'm saying Boudreaux's an idiot for playing Jordan Schrader. So some of it's results-based. But, yeah, I mean, look, he did the, whatever buttons he's pushing are working right now, and you've got to give him some credit for that. So. So, uh, or, so I heard a nice interview between Kevin Falness and Craig Leopold. Ooh. Where Craig Leopold, his analysis of Boudreaux was, and I quote, he is a student of the game. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> I, uh, that, that is one of the general requirements for being a professional <laughs> hockey coach. I'm a professional hockey coach. I do not study hockey. It was not an interesting interview. No. It's, uh, <laughs> what, what is Craig... Yeah, to I, quote I, Don Draper, that's what the money is for. <laughs> like, what does is, what is Craig Leopold think he's paying Bruce Boudreaux to do? <laughs> It yeah. was not a good interview. Well, what, yeah. <laughs> so we're more excited about the team than we are their owners' public statements. <laughs> Craig Leopold is not on a 12-month winning streak of making insightful <laughs> comments. Uh, I, I got to say, though, like, those tickets for that game tomorrow, that's got to be really expensive. You'd feel pretty good if you bought one of those, like, a couple months ago. Yeah, well, actually, Andy from Apex scored the tickets <laughs> to this game. Uh Got lucky uh, and got to, got his pick of games and happened to pick this one. Well, due no. to scheduling reasons. Is that why he's going to be wow. riding high at Tom Reed's tomorrow night? Oh, yes. Just riding that winning streak? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, maybe we'll uh, have to meet one of our few loyal listeners. We've we've met my mom before, so we, uh, she's a nice lady. So we can uh, meet Andy from Apex and cross them all off the list. But uh, <laughs> the two listeners. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I guess maybe just to kind of close it out, because look, our guard is is going to be up. We've just and it's not the Wilds' fault, but we've just we get we've been burned a few times here with just I think. You know, we obviously were a little premature in our excitement for the Timberwolves. We were talking about playoffs before the season. That's probably not going to happen. And, you know, as much as I guess my Vikings analysis from before the season started would make me look decent. I was talking before, you know, the first game about them going seven and nine, eight and eight. But what I was saying when they were five and oh, yeah, we all got so good right now. We got a little too excited after that. So there's an, you know, an inclination to think let's not get 
too excited about the Wild having a 12-game winning streak. They could still fall apart. At what point do you just sort of let, like, what do you need to see from them to just sort of let go of that? And obviously you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. NHL playoffs are especially unpredictable. But when do you just sort of say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be a Minnesota sports fan. This team is good. I'm going to root for them. There's no reason that this team can't win a championship. Here's what, you know what would do it for me? Not, not tomorrow because I really want to see them win. But if they they lose a game they to end this this win streak, and then they win like their next three, like then I'd be like okay, like that's that's like twenty and one, mm-hmm. like that or, or you know, whatever numbers aren't important, but yeah, it, it, like that's what I'd want to see is like oh wow they can lose and then they can still like win again. It wasn't just some ridiculous fluke. So I'll admit I'm coming to this party a little late, um, but the, and so I don't. Maybe this is happening, and I'm and I'm not noticing it. But I think it would be, like, just some there some evidence that their depth is really really good because that's what I think. Like, in terms of the other shoe dropping or the other skate dropping in this case, that's usually what you know what brings it down. And and I mean you can. The Vikings probably had problems before, but, like, injuries are really what... Um, and they have been pretty healthy, the Wild. So that, you know, that probably will will get to some So, to yeah, your point... Really productive third and fourth line. Jason Pommetville's on the fourth line. They, they have had some pretty good depth amongst their four lines. So that I think that is encouraging. That did... You know, just... We're about to wrap this up here. I won't go off on too far of a tangent, but that did just remind me... Tom Hanneman is is ready to roll into 2017. He uh he had one of his be- oh, no. better ones on Wednesday night. Oh boy! He Get the popcorn ready. No. He so the Wolves hadn't played very well in the second quarter, tied at halftime. They're showing an outdoor skating rink in Denver. People skating around. The Timberwolves were skating on thin ice throughout that second quarter. So we know that Hanneman's still got it as we go into 2017. Oh, that's, that's good. That's encouraging. But yeah, a lot of people didn't like the year 2016, but at least Hanneman will be Hanneman, there. It, yeah, as the world changes, Tom Hanneman stays the same. Doesn't matter who's president, we got Hanneman, so... We're, uh, we're, we've got that stability in our life anyways. But uh, I, I think for me, I just, I, I'll be invested in them before that. But I think if I see them go, I, I guess what I want to see, St. Patrick's Day. Ooh. We get to the middle of March. They haven't had an, a, you know, a, win, a losing streak of more than three or four games. They've basically wrapped up a playoff spot. And then, you know, if they want to coast through the last couple weeks of the regular season, get themselves healthy or whatever they need to do. If they get to that point and they're, they obviously will back off of this winning streak and something like that, but they still look stable and they're going to have a top three spot in the Central Division, if they're at that point, then I think I'm ready to roll with this team. Yeah, I think I'd just say, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy this. Well, I'm going to enjoy it, but I yeah. think that's when I just I stop waiting for, like, the bad things to happen yeah. when we get to that point. So, hmm. the, the, the scary Weird night. The scary nightmares. Mike Zimmer is gonna come come after me with an eye patch and a murdered <laughs> and a murdered stuffed animal and ruin my enjoyment of the Is season. How you get ready for game day? <laughs> wielding a knife and cutting off my childhood teddy bear's head, <laughs> wearing an eye patch. Pirate Mike Zimmer. So. That's uh, that's what happens. That's how we're gonna end 2016. Ho ho ho! The end of 2016.
<laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the 2016 season of Invanity. Tom Hanneman stays the same. We stay the same. I wouldn't expect it to make a lot more sense in 2017. You're not supposed to keep talking about pirates. We're going to keep doing it. We'll talk about pirates as much as we damn well please. See you next year, guys.